Ready. Are we ready? I'm ready. Okay, we're doing this. Hello and welcome to Dark Alignment Podcast. I'm Brittany. And I'm Aruka Rose. And we are a true crime astrology podcast and we're so happy to be here. We're in a new space tonight, obviously, for those of you who are watching us on YouTube. Um, we have rented out a public space for this. So no, no we, we bought a mansion and we have our own studio room. But we haven't decorated yet. No, none of that's... people walk by and look at us weird. Yeah, none of that's true. We're basically in a fishbowl. It's kind of... <laughs> random so we're testing this out this is a very experimental evening as far as location mm-hmm. goes um, but we're hoping it goes really well and that we can record in this space in the future kind of taking things out of our house more into a professional setting um, also it has been a minute since we have recorded and we apologize for the hiatus but life has been absolutely insane um i announced this on the last episode which was jonestown by the way if you have not listened to the jonestown massacre please go back and listen to episode two of season four it was a very robust episode um but i am pregnant and (laughs) there's a lot of uh craziness that comes along with that this is my first child it's it's a lot and then aruka has been going through some changes in her life as well so we've just had a lot going on i feel like every episode we've done lately has been like this is what we've been doing it's been crazy i mean i think it's important to explain um, our lag time but oh, I still agree. but it's kind of funny you know we're honest you guys that's one thing you can always say about us is that we are honest we're straight up with you we we're don't honest queens we're honest queens we don't have a legit schedule right now for when new episodes are going to come out so we just appreciate you guys being patient with us um and continuing to support us and just showing up to to hear what we are covering and with that we are covering a kind of a different story tonight it's not necessarily crime related Mm -hmm. but it's a very dark story there's a lot of legal stuff going on here but we are going to be covering anna nicole smith i'm super excited about this episode I've wanted to cover her for a really, really long time. I would also like to dedicate this episode to one of our longtime fans and listeners, Mary. We have bonded over our love for Anna Nicole Smith, and uh, I told her in advance that we were going to be recording this episode. Um, It's amazing sometimes you make friends through this podcast. Like I've never met her in real life. She's so cool, though, and I feel like I can't wait for when we finally get to hang out someday, (laughs) because... We have this really, like, the same sense of humor. So shout out to you, Mary. This one is absolutely for you. Um, And for me. And for everyone else, too. Because it's a really fascinating story. I guess you can listen. Yeah. I guess you're welcome to listen to this episode. We'd love to have everyone listen to this episode. Um, So quickly going to go over some sources. I would like to go ahead and say that this is one that I have been a longtime fan of Anna Nicole Smith. I followed everything she did when she was still alive. So some of this is literally just from watching her be on award shows, watching her TV show, like reading about her in magazines and just generally being fascinated with her. Um, But official sources, Wikipedia, 2020 has a special, which 2020 is my favorite show. Um, But they have an episode called Tragic Beauty, the Anna Nicole Smith story. Um, And Biography.com provided a lot of the timeline information and legal information as well. So, are you ready to get into it? I think so. We're going to jump straight in. We're diving in head first today. No notes for me. I know. You're crushing it over there. I pulled the charts in advance, but that's it. I'm very proud of you. I like when you do a very intuitive read also. Sometimes that's like... 
a whole different vibe. Yeah, um, it's definitely a different vibe. So, for those of you who don't know, Anna Nicole Smith was not born named Anna Nicole. She was actually born Vicki Lynn Hogan, and she was born in Houston, Texas. She had five half-siblings on her father's side, but she was primarily raised as an only child by her mother and her aunt. So, you know, I have that situation too. I have some half-siblings, but I was raised alone by my mom Mm -hmm. as an only child. So, hardcore relate to her right out the gate. (laughs) Um, Oh, oh, I can't tell you yet. Can I? Can I tell you now? You can tell me whatever you want, anytime. (laughs) how you relate with the early childhood stuff, she has her moon on her south node in Libra. Oh my like God, you do. me too. And her rising is Libra, so it's in her first house. Wow. Yeah. We have the exact same moon yeah. in the same house with that same conjunction. Mm-hmm. She has Venus wow. and Juno That gave me well. chills. That, yeah. that like really gave me I chills. I was like, oh, let's see what that's about. I was like, shit. Ooh, ooh that gave me like, ah, I need to recover from that. Wow. Uh-huh. That's amazing. Yeah. Um. So for young Vicky, there was a lot of back and forth between the two homes, between her mom and her aunt, because there was alleged abuse at home um, through boyfriends of her mother, Mm-mm. and it was alleged to be both physical and sexual. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of adult men around her, and mm-hmm. from from several accounts, abuse was coming from multiple directions. So not a good situation. Um, she went to live with her aunt when she was in ninth grade, and that was about two and a half hours away from Houston. Okay. But she ended up uh, with failing grades that year. She actually dropped out in the 10th grade. So she only had a 10th grade education. Um, And she got a job at this little restaurant called Jim's Crispy Fried Chicken. Mm -hmm. And it's in a town, okay, I had to put the pronunciation, of Mahaya or Mejia, but it looks like Mexia. With the way it's written. Oh, yeah. I but I had, to, I had to put the pronunciation on here. I think it's Mahaya. Um, and this restaurant's still in operation today, which is kind of cool. So apparently it's like the spot if you are in that part of Texas. So she started just going there as a regular customer because it was the place to eat. Mm-hmm. And then she landed the job. And apparently, you know, this was like the hot spot. It's also where she met her first husband, Billy Smith, who was a fry cook at the restaurant, and they hit it off right away. They got married pretty quickly after, you know, not dating for too long. They got married on April 4th, 1985, and Anna was only 17 years old at this time. So leaving school really early, getting married really early, entering the workforce really early, just kind of had to grow up pretty quick. and Billy was only 16 at the time, which is interesting that you've got two teenagers getting married. So that seems, and they're both high school dropouts. So kind of like not the greatest beginning, but Anna soon found herself pregnant and she gave birth to her son, Daniel Wayne Smith, in January of 1986. And she always wanted to be a mother. So this wasn't, you know, a sad time for her by any means. She was really excited about her life. Uh, this was a really significant event for her. Uh, but the marriage was not working out. So the couple separated later that year and officially divorced in 1993. So there's quite a lag time yeah. between the separation and the divorce. And that happens a lot with young couples. Getting a divorce is expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's just like... Let's go out on our own. Mm-hmm. And in some states, after you've been separated for X amount of time, the divorce, it'll, you'll be legally divorced by, wow. just kind of by default. Um, 
but they did get an official divorce in 1993. Anna basically left him, um, and she moved back to Houston to live with her mom. Okay. So that's, like, her really young life. And then the next section, we're going to talk about how she became Anna. So do you want to touch on any young stuff? I feel like there's a lot there. Yeah, there is. And these early houses on her chart. Um, But yeah, she was born November 28th, 1967 at 3.15 a.m. in Houston, Texas. Her sun is in Sagittarius in the second house. Her moon is in the first house in Libra. And again, the first house, her rising is in Libra. (laughs) So So awesome. uh, Yeah, she has... This moon conjunct south node, which Brittany can probably speak to um, very fluently. <laughs> uh huh. Um, but essentially, what that shows is, you know, a lot of things that end up conjunct the south node end up being something that is like absent in your life in one way or another. Um, when the moon is conjunct the south node, it can be the mother is absent, especially in early life. When she isn't um, absent, she's like this odd comfort zone, but then she's not there probably like mentally or emotionally or in some other way. Like there's this weird like um, like you're used to them, but like they're not there. Um, and that can cause issues later, um, non-astrologically speaking, but <laughs> with astrology, you see like issues with emotions or feeling like emotions are holding you back probably later in life because your all your emotions are still tied to like that feeling of the past. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Valid. Yeah. And with this being in her first house, like this is not something she's going to be able to hide very easy. Like this is probably like someone who, um, you know, without looking at like the rest of her chart all the way yet, like someone who you could see the emotion on their face. Um, and then... Like, her whole life is going to feel like you're walking into emotion. Like, you know, it's how you approach (laughs) life with it being in your first house. It's like, you know, how you drive, how you, like, you know, tackle the video game. Like, it's it's very, she's going to feel like everything is done through this, like, emotional space. But it's, like, hard to access, for one, because it's tied to the south node. But two... Uh, in Libra, it's like kind of this place of the shadow. And then with her first house being in the place of the shadow and in this kind of like seeing yourself as a, through this mirror or through the mirror of another person, it makes it like hard to identify how you're feeling in the first place. Um, mm-hmm. Or if you're just mirroring or if you're just trying to figure out what they're feeling. Like it, it gets very like, whew, I kind of yeah. know how to explain I would that. have to say personally, it took me a really long time to figure out where my feelings started and someone else's ended. Yes. Uh, it took me years and years to figure that out. I don't think I really mm-hmm. figured it out till I was maybe 30 years old. Mm-hmm. It was a really tough, like, kind yeah. of thing to pass through in life. Uh, I do mm-hmm. feel like I've made amazing progress there. I don't feel like that's an issue for me anymore. But mm-hmm. when I was younger, it was definitely really blurry. Like, it was, yeah. a, it was very messy. Yeah, that would definitely be very messy and very kind of, like, shadowy, like, mysterious, not mysterious necessarily, but, like, misty, do you know what I'm saying? Like, foggy, like, I'm picturing, like, a foggy um, space. Yeah. Like, like trying to maneuver without really knowing what's going on. A slippery slope of knowing, like, where do I end, where do other people begin, like, where, like, you get, it it created a lot of enmeshed situations, Mm -hmm. especially with my mother. 
And oh, codependency would be yeah, a big thing here. I think it kind of was hard to, mm-hmm. like, I t- like I absorbed the feelings of my mother mm-hmm. was just funny with the moon. Yeah, and there. you're wanting to please others with mm-hmm. this type of placement, too. Um, and with Venus being conjunct the moon here, um, I mean, for one, Venus in the first house, like, people are going to think you're beautiful, think people are going to be kind of entranced by you in that, like, And she was so way. known for that, too. Yeah. Anna was completely known for mm-hmm. that. Like, that really plays into the, like, how she comes off and how she approaches life type of way. Like, she's going to want to move with, like, a sense of beauty, like a heart-leading type of approach to life. Um, But, yeah, at the same time, all of those emotional feelings we were talking about being a problem with the moon, like, her heart space is also tied into this. And her relationships will be tied into this. All her wants in life will be tied into this. Like, if she, um, you know, has to pick out which candy bar she wants... Like, she's going to have all this emotional stuff. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like every choice, like every, not even, like, making a choice, but, like, every time she feels, like, a craving for something or, like, um, like a desire, it's going to, like, bring up a lot of stuff. Um, and Juno here talks about commitments and marriage. Um, so I think, again, we're going to see all these issues come up very prevalently in um, anything that she commits to over a long period of time or uh, marriages so just in the first house like we can see a lot of stress in her early life um, and how that continues on throughout her life and then moving into the second house she has mercury and neptune in scorpio and then the sun like right over the line in sagittarius um Mercury and Neptune together in Scorpio, like, (laughs) this is a little bit, um, practical fantasy, like, underworld, (laughs) like, um, you know, her mind and her speech is going to be probably very, like, um, maybe not, maybe, like, fantastical, but not, like, this that is actually like a, really describes her. <laughs> <laughs> like Scorpio Mercury, Mercury is what I have, and like I feel like I'm I'm sometimes like kind of flowing, but it's very like blunt ish. Like, mm-hmm. like I I feel like I have it's like a placement where you still have like a core to what you're saying, and you're not swaying from that. And then the Neptune adds <laughs> a little bit of like fancy fancifulness, like it it has. The idea of like illusion or like dreamy or like um, even uh, mani- more manipulative than Scorpio placements can already be. Wow. Like this could be something more where like lies and acting and kind of putting on a show is very like deep and intense, but also like you, she can cast that illusion through how she speaks and thinks. Yeah, she definitely embodied like when we get into her becoming mm-hmm. Anna. Yeah. Anna was like a character. Mm-hmm. versus like who Vicky Lynn was growing up and in, in her transition into Anna mm-hmm. I feel like this really plays into that yeah. and like how she presented herself and obviously with the uh, Venus first house Libra situation like mm-hmm. leaning into her beauty being the way she casts this character of really herself through the rest of her life it's really really fascinating because yeah. this is in the same house as her sun sign as well so like it will um, it's pretty close. I think it's close enough to have like a direct um, impact there, like where she also is going to kind of base like her being off of 
how she thinks and speaks and yeah. like projects that illusion. That is what she ended up being very yeah. known for too, like all of those mm-hmm. things. And the second house, this is a lot of like her working day to day, kind of how she makes money, how she finds value in the world type of area of life. Mm-hmm. And it can, um, that kind of makes me think like, the father, like stuff with the father could be coming up here a little bit with the Neptune. There's like some squares over to Pholus and um, some of that trauma might be showing up there, but I think a lot of it is showing up more later in her chart. Um, How you were saying that when she got older, she like um, moved to somebody's house. Yeah, when she was in the ninth grade, she moved in with her aunt. Mm-hmm. So after living with her mom, she kind of went back and forth, but made the permanent move. Um, and let's see, when you're, you know, in the ninth grade, you're about 14. Yeah. So when I was looking kind of like at that age group, as far as like the house system, like I was kind of looking like, oh, sixth, seventh, eighth, you know, what's going on there? And then you have her north node conjunct Lilith. Oh, um, wow. In yeah, the seventh house. That. I feel like, you know, in the sixth house, she has Chiron and Saturn with a ton of squares on them. Um, you can definitely see a lot of the trauma there. They're both retrograde. They're both um, in pretty. The like this place. This placements just look pretty devastating. Like Chiron in retrograde at the end of Pisces. Oh wow! <laughs> and then Saturn retrograde at the beginning of Aries. So like, again, that can be like a really aggressive father type figure. Um, it could be, um, it could it could work a lot of ways, but I'm seeing how it ties in through that. Um, and then that Chiron in Pisces, like you lost your God, you lost all sense of like purpose in the world or connection in the world. Like I feel like there's just a lot of um, really intense emotional trauma in Pisces, and like you said, not knowing where like one somebody's feelings start or end and yours start, and like blurred lines as far as that goes. Um, this can also be like spiritual type of use. Like, um, I'm not sure like what the religion stuff was like at the house or if they had any, but like, um, I feel like there's a lot of this like emotional, psychological and physical stress that comes in Mm -hmm. here. And then right after that over in her seventh house is her North node and Lilith. So this looks like, um, actively moving away from the mother and the emotional stuff um and moving into a mirror of herself or her shadow in like a really intense empower self-empowerment like I'm gonna get myself out of a bad situation yeah. with Lilith um and that's gonna be the pattern that I would think that she has throughout her life is yeah. like you know you start to deal with your south node and your all of those stress because her uh anyway there's a lot of ties between um the Chiron and the moon south node situation. And then she'll kind of move over once it, she gets like the worst of it. And then she hits this north node Lilith energy where she like shoots herself up out of something like she tries yeah. to. Um, it seems like definitely that's the cycle with her. Um, I love it. So there's... It, it's very on brand, especially for you not knowing a whole lot about her yeah. outside of 
Because I feel like you were a little bit young when she I died. I was a little young. Like, I heard bits and pieces, but, like, I recognized the name. Yeah. But I also knew we were going to do an episode eventually, so, like, I was like, well, I'm not going to look into her now. Good. I'm proud of you. Um, so, are we ready to kind of talk about her becoming Anna? Or is there mm. anything else you wanted to cover on, like, young life? I feel like you've covered a lot, though. I don't know. Mm. You pulled for anything else there? I think it's really fascinating how she took on a new name. Yep. I think that that definitely shows in her chart with the way her um, first and seventh houses are. And not just a new name, like a whole new identity. Mm -hmm. Like she kind of like, again, this character, this sort of like persona that she stepped into. So uh, she was a very striking girl, which we've talked about. And if you've ever seen a picture of her, I mean, it's obvious that she's stunning. She's uh, really tall. She's five foot eleven. She is absolutely beautiful. Mm -hmm. She always wanted more than what small time, like that small town life was giving her. She wanted more opportunity. Her biggest idol was Marilyn Monroe. And she ended up having a lot in common with Marilyn, like overall, even like down to her death. So it was really interesting um, about that. But even down to the fact that Marilyn started out as Norma Jean, Anna started out as Vicki Lynn. Mm -hmm. I mean, they have so many parallels throughout their life and their death. So, um, I'm looking at her chart now. Both had very, uh, like, kind of questionable deaths, uh, very shocking, very young. It's, it's, the parallels are fascinating. Hmm. And, um, Anna always said that she wished Marilyn was her mom. So she saw her as, like, this maternal figure that she really looked up to. And you can see more and more parallels as we progress through her life story. But Anna really wanted to be somebody in the world. And she was willing to do whatever it took to get her there. She ended up getting a job at Walmart, and every day on her way to her shift, she passed a little gentleman's club, and it had her really intrigued. She was drawn in by the blue and white neon sign out front because it had a shape of a beautiful woman in a bikini with high heels on it. So one day, she decided to stop in and see what it was all about. The club was pretty high-end, and um, it was called the Executive Suite. She actually did not know it was a topless bar. She just liked the sign. So she just saw a pretty woman, like, I'm going to go in there. And when she found that out, it was kind of a surprise, but they hired her because she's oh, wow. beautiful. Yeah. I mean, she was exactly the type of, uh, mm-hmm. of employee that they wanted there. And she was really shy. She was really introverted, actually, wow. which people don't really know that about her, like, seeing her later in life. Mm-hmm. Um but she, she was also really naive. She didn't really know a lot about the world. She was really young, hadn't seen very much, was a small-town girl. Yeah. And her first time on stage, she panicked. She actually ran off as fast as she could. Like, like mid-dance, she completely ran away. She was also really insecure about being flat-chested. By, this is by her own account. That she was flat chested <laughs> and um, over time she got more comfortable you know with some practice mm-hmm. I think I think a job like that takes some getting used to I don't think anybody goes out there their first time and um, feels like they rocked it <laughs> maybe some maybe some do but she realized she could make a really good living for her and her son despite mm-hmm. only having a 10th grade education this was the first time in her life that she was making money like a real like good money So she moved in with a friend, and Daniel continued to live um, with her mother. So living with his grandma, Virgie. Mm -hmm. And uh, her goal was to have her son with her full-time. So she started working a lot, 
trying to make as much money as possible. She learned how to work the room. She learned how to work her customers. So that's, again, like yeah. this kind of character. But this one's really interesting with her Mercury. And you were talking about kind of the manipulation. I was just looking at that. Okay. The biggest thing she did was talk in like a little bit of a baby voice. Mm-hmm. And the male clientele absolutely loved it. So she was saving up money for cosmetic surgery. She ended up getting several breast augmentations. And this is when she started making tons of money. Once oh, yeah. she had the body that she felt like to match the persona, she had the act down, she had the voice down, she had the look she wanted. And um, yeah, but, that's perfect for her second house in Scorpio. Yep. You know, wow, very sexual, very yes. intense, very like. Wow. And still, though, like dancing was never something she enjoyed that much. It was never something she wanted mm-hmm. to do long term. Again, it was like that thing to lift her out of that that mm-hmm. Lilith stuff to lift yeah. her out of that tough spot. And she saw it more as a stepping stone for herself. So. The next section is about being in the right place at the right time, which she really was very lucky, that like kind of Sagittarius luck. I feel like she kind of hit that lucky Mm -hmm. spot a lot in life. Yeah, and for anyone interested, her part of fortune is right on top of her sun placement. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) So you saying that, yeah. She definitely lucked out in a lot of ways throughout her life, but this was the first time she really came into some good old-fashioned luck. Four years into her career as an exotic dancer, she meets the man who's going to change her life forever. He is an older gentleman. He is a Texas oil tycoon named J. Howard Marshall II. The night he was wheeled into the club she was working at at the time, which was called Gigi's, (laughs) he immediately took a liking to Anna. He was an 87-year-old billionaire with a Yale education from a prominent family. So he is... You know, a very well-to-do person, very well-educated, has done very well in his life. But at the time, he was going through some hardships. His wife had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and he was extremely lonely. I can only imagine how tough that would be to have your spouse that you've grown old with, um, like, suddenly forget who you are. And, like, that, I feel like that's a really sad situation. Um, But, you know, before Anna, he had previously engaged in a 10-year kind of platonic relationship with another exotic dancer named Lady Walker, and he enjoyed lavishing her with expensive gifts and money. The relationship was not sexual. Instead, it was like he was protective, and he was also really romantic. So it was just kind of his personality. He liked to take care of beautiful women. He liked their company. Um, Very Taurus Scorpio. Yeah, access. <laughs> um, but both his wife and Lady Walker passed away. So he was looking for someone to kind of fill this void in his life. Like something yeah. was definitely missing for him. And when he met Anna, that was that was kind of it. Um, she was only 24 years old. So there's a 63-year age gap. So definitely uh, kind of controversial there. But in Anna's words... She said he got a twinkle in his eye when he saw her, and he asked her to dance for him. (laughs) She recalls him being really funny and really brilliant with great stories. She really enjoyed his company. She saw him as a grandfather figure as well. So they started talking every single day on the phone, and it was really sweet. It's like these (laughs) sweet little conversations. And in a way, they took care of each other. Like, they were really... (laughs) had formed this very special bond and uh, Marshall's two sons were of course not happy about this friendship. 
They did not like how it was developing, but, you know, their father did not care. He was happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said Anna made him enjoy life again, and he told his sons to back off. So within a week of meeting her, he proposed to Anna, but she said no. So she wanted to make something of herself, and she mm-hmm. was actually in love with a woman at the time. But it's one of those things Very where people cool. have really criticized her, saying, oh, she was just a gold digger. She just wanted his money. Like, she could have had his money way sooner That's if true. she wanted it. She could have, you know, had this marriage with him way sooner, within a week, if that's yeah. all if that's all she wanted. But she really wanted to be somebody. And she really did follow her heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had a very controversial love life her whole life. Yeah. So, you know, there's a woman in her life. She met this woman in a gay club. The woman's name was Sandy, and the relationship got serious really quickly. So they even had wedding rings that they both wore, which is really sweet. Uh, They lived together. They seemed really happy. Another kind of cool thing um, that's interesting about Anna, she was just so, like, ahead of her time and so progressive. But she also had boyfriends on the side. So she was basically, like, pansexual polyamorous, which is really, I mean, at the time. Very different for the time. Yeah, at the time, this was not... A thing it just it just makes her even cooler to me to like know how progressive and like yeah, sure of herself that she was and like how she just never cared what anybody thought of her she followed her heart no matter what no matter what type of um, criticism came her way and I just think that's so admirable at anybody who like lives their life so openly especially during this time it was much more difficult yeah um, I feel like it's hard now and <laughs> there's so many people that have done so much more than me um, decades ago, where yeah. it was way harder. So she's very fluid with uh, relationships and attraction. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem like age is a barrier. It doesn't seem like gender is a barrier. It's like she is open. And she never hid anything about herself. She was comfortable with who she was. She mm-hmm. still had a close relationship with J. Howard Marshall II. Um, it allowed her to live a really lavish lifestyle, too, because mm-hmm. he liked to spoil her. She had expensive jewelry and gifts. <laughs> he even bought her a ranch of her own, complete oh, wow. with Arabian horses. She loved horses, like absolutely loved horses. <laughs> and it wasn't long before he proposed once again at his favorite restaurant, which do you have a guess? Of his favorite restaurant. Oh God, no! It, you have even guess makes me think it's something crazy. It's something like very. Arby's. Uh, you're not too far. Um, it's Red Lobster. <laughs> oh. Okay. Which I feel like that just tells you so much about him. Like he was a billionaire. That went that like the Red Lobster. That was his favorite restaurant. Yeah. Was Red Lobster, a chain restaurant. Like I just think he's also seems so comfortable and true to himself as well like not caring what anybody thinks about (laughs) him having a really young partner and him Mm -hmm. you know kind of living a little bit more of an alternative lifestyle too to be in your 80s and Mm -hmm. still like doing your thing I I really like respect that too so but once again Anna turned him down she said no she felt like she had still not established herself enough Mm -hmm. to say yes to him and um so she decided to take a few provocative pictures mm-hmm. and this is how she got her big break on her own it's just okay. taking a few pictures so i'm gonna go ahead and take a break let you kind of oh, chime in a couple in. things here yeah there's um you were talking about how her relationships are always so controversial um <laughs> when you look at her midheaven it's over in cancer so from her moon and venus to the midheaven placement is a 
big square. <laughs> there is a lot of tension between um, how she feels and how her relationships are going and the public's view of her, mm-hmm. her public persona, how she's, um, her reputation is uh, in her public life. I feel like they people like her um, Neptune, Mercury, sexy voice thing, sexy character thing, and because there's a trine from that to the midheaven. <laughs> um, people like seeing how, well, hmm, this, this is like <laughs> a supportive placement, but it looks like um, just kind of like how she can be like, a little bit of a mystery, um, kind of intense and a mystery type person, but like you almost want to respect her because like she has the strategy because she's got this like Pluto palace thing on the cusp of her 11th and 12th house in Virgo. <laughs> um, and there's a sextile over to her midheaven from that, but that's a little bit more of like a nuanced try thing to try to describe. Um, let's see what else off from her midheaven. There's a quintile to Lilith from her midheaven. So this is like a creative um, solution for her. This is her like self-empowerment um, and ha- that bringing her into um, the pub- more of her public life, more of her like that part of her life and it reflecting well back on how it can continue to empower her from her past. Um, there's... Let's see. What else did we just talk about? (laughs) Um, I thought it was interesting how her vertex in the 8th house in Gemini is kind of like her speaking, like talking to people, um, making friends with people who are willing to give her money um, Mm -hmm. for like that like partnership, relationship type of situation. Like I think... You know, the eighth house has a lot to do with other people's money, sexuality, um, like a deep bonding, especially over a death, mm-hmm. like um, over someone, like the partner's death, like a death related to them. Like, I think that there's just like a lot of yeah. um, ties there and have it have something that she just kind of like life kind of like threw her into that situation. It's not like she was seeking it. Again, it's, right place, right time. Yeah, it was very, just all about that kind of lucky moment of meeting somebody with the perfect circumstances. Right. And you see how it ties in perfectly with that because you've got this vertex in the eighth house in Gemini. um, And it is directly opposite where you were talking about with her son and her part of fortune in Sagittarius being so lucky. Like it is like perfectly aligned. I see that. that. It's, (laughs) Um, I think that that speaks a lot of that relationship Um, and any others that she might've had that were similar. So um, I'm really itching to talk about this, like, Jupiter and Virgo situation, but I'm not sure why yet. Okay, we'll get a little bit deeper. Okay. Yeah, let's keep going. So, next we're going to talk about how she got famous entering the spotlight This will be it, for sure. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, so, we're going to kind of look at her spotlight, then we're going to go back into more love relationship type stuff. So, we're going to kind of bounce around, but this okay. was so critical when she got her big break. Like I said, she took some provocative photos. Mm -hmm. She mailed them to Playboy and got a call. Mm -hmm. And they asked her to pose for the magazine, which is huge for a Mm -hmm. small town 
you know, exotic dancer with a 10th grade education who mm-hmm. really has just been kind of flying by the seat of her pants, living off her wits and her appearance. But she was featured on the cover. This is huge. That's huge. Not just, you know, a random article or a random section of Playboy. Like, she was featured on the cover in March of 1992. And this, like, completely made her. She also appeared as the Playmate of the Month in May of 1992. So, like, literally back to back. And huge deal. Caught the attention of a very famous brand. And this is where her career just completely took off. Yes. So she was contacted to and offered a contract to replace supermodel Claudia Schiffer in a guest jeans ad campaign with a series of sultry black and white photos. And these pictures are so stunning. Like she was so striking. Um, I, I absolutely love these pictures. I know you're pulling them up right now. We'll share them on social media, but oh, Look how beautiful, like, she is just so absolutely stunning. She looks so much like Marilyn, too. Like, she has that Marilyn. She has a lot of that look. That quality. Um, So, obviously, this was major. During the guest campaign, she took the onstage name Anna Nicole. And this was what she was known for for the rest of her life. So, like I said, she looks like Marilyn. She's a blonde bombshell. She was often compared to Jane Mansfield, too. The public absolutely loved her curvy look mm-hmm. as well. And this was a radical change because at this time in the 90s, stick skinny models oh, and yeah. that heroin chic look was absolutely what was featured at the time. And her being the opposite of that, having curves, this made her a star. And she continued to land modeling jobs with big name brands. In 1993, she modeled for the Swedish clothing company H&M. This is, she was just really, wow. I mean, overnight. I don't know why. Say it. Um, so there was a lot of Scorpio transits through that time, like really big ones. That's around when I was born. And like oh. the year I was born and the year before, um, well, at least this is part of why. I'm not pulling all the charts, but I just out of from memory, there's like a lot of stuff going through Scorpio, which is like part of this persona for her. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, there's these big um, transits in Capricorn that I remember, and this has to do with like her. She has Vesta and Mars and Capricorn. Um, I just feel like a lot of this is kind of like playing off of that. Um, and anything going through Scorpio will boost her career-wise because of that trine. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Thank you for mm-hmm. adding that in. Just a little thing. It's, little thing. Not pulling charts, but... No, but I love, I love that you know that detail just kind of offhand. Um, but so H&M has hired her now along with guests. She's got this big campaign and, uh, this led her picture to be displayed on huge billboards in Sweden and Norway. And this is really a funny, this is really funny, but the billboards were said to be so sexy that they actually caused traffic accidents. Um, how like life goals. Oh my God. Like amazing. Um, so they were analyzed by the traffic department as being potentially a threat to public safety, which is amazing. This is why women are so dangerous, and they should be yes. they should be covered and locked away. No, they're just so sexy. We need to put them all on display. They're too powerful. Women are too powerful if they want to be. Can, yeah, they have to want it. Um, but I just think that is so incredible. How how many women could ever say that like Anna is such an icon that literally they have to be careful about putting her on a billboard people are going to wreck their car to look at her like she was so stunning 
Uh, she was later featured on the cover of Marie Claire magazine in October of 1993. GQ magazine the same year. Huge names still to this day. Mm-hmm. Everyone knew her name and her face. And it wasn't long after this that she decided she also wanted to pursue a career in acting, which mm-hmm. you kind of talked about. And this is crazy, especially like with the Playboy, like having that be her launching uh, place. I'm, I've been um, I've been looking into Playboy lately. It's very interesting, and a lot of people had a hard time finding modeling gigs after Playboy because they didn't want to be associated with the name. Ah. So the fact that she like. Got all these she, new gigs. That was what got her noticed because she, she, she mm-hmm. was just so stunning. Yeah. I mean, and being on the cover of all, like, you didn't even have to buy Playboy to mm-hmm. know because she was on the cover. Like, she yeah. was already being seen. Um, and even though she went and wanted to have an acting career, it was not nearly as successful as her work as a model. But she did land, you know, some roles in different feature films, and we'll go through those uh, starting in 1994. But the next section, we'll go back to some love stuff. So do you want to touch on anything else career-wise before we kind of switch gears a little? Real quick, yeah. Her midheaven, like, itself is in cancer. Um, a lot of this is, like, feeling. I think that this can be, um, in a way, kind of like how the Playboy, like, ugh, stuff is. Like, a little bit girl next door type vibe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Like, this is very, like... You know her, you could you could have, you know, she can relate, connect with you emotionally almost as, like, as, like, a tease, like, a little bit. But um, people see her in, like, through this, like, emotional viewpoint where, like, if her, you know, if it was just in Leo, like, you'd see her as, like, oh, she's the showgirl. Like, she's here to give us a show. Mm-hmm. Like, there wouldn't be that emotional connection, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, she was so relatable. Yeah, like, relatable, friendly. She was also really funny and yeah. really sweet and really mm-hmm. playful. Like, she mm-hmm. had just, her energy is so great. Yeah. And you can see it, like, she never took herself too seriously. Mm-hmm. She didn't carry herself in a snobby kind of way. Like, that's, I think that's part of her charm. And again, Sagittarius, very charming. Yeah, she's very fun and fiery and (laughs) playful. But at the same time, like, you see, like, a gentleness. Yes. And almost like, I think that uh, some of the fantasy could even be, like, um, oh, she could be, like, wife material, maybe. But, like, like a a fun wife, you know? like fun wife. (laughs) um, Because, like, then, you know, the second half of her Midheaven, um, being taken up by the Leo energy, I think, does give her, like, that space to, like, put put more fire in her public persona, her public mm-hmm. image. Um, but it's not rooted in that. It's like a icing on top. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she's so great. I just love talking <laughs> about her. Anything else before we go into the love section? I think um, having it, her career be so, like personal but public mm-hmm. is another sign of like this uh cancer midheaven where we see like you know in in some ways that you interpret astrology like the 10th house would be more associated with capricorn and so it's kind of like a flipping of energy Ooh. so like when you have i've seen a lot of people with this cancer midheaven that i've done readings for and a lot of them end up doing something where it's like they're bringing the home to the workplace in a way like yeah. they're either making like the workplace a family environment There's or they're f- making it like or they literally run like 
a hostel, hotel, like Airbnb, not Airbnb, or maybe bed Airbnb, and bed and maybe. breakfast or something. Like there's some kind of like personal element to their career. It feels like if she had this way of like making you feel intimately connected mm-hmm. with her, even yes. though she was so far away, yes. like you didn't feel that. Like it, yeah. she gave off a sense of closeness and home mm-hmm. and like, yeah, that is completely, yeah, I she see didn't that. have a traditional, I go to the office type of Never. Never. No. (laughs) It's always like, here is my personal life in front of you. Here you go. Even when she, she, we'll get to, but she had a reality show at one point. So very cool. Yeah. So we'll talk about that too, which her reality show was. I said that now then. Yeah. Before, before. And you didn't know that. No. (laughs) Her reality show was fucking amazing. Oh my God. All right. Um, Okay. We'll keep going. So back to love stuff. Anna was finally making a name for herself finally, which is what she always wanted to do. That was always her goal. And at this point she was finally ready to give Jay Howard Marshall II a real chance after turning him down for four years. (laughs) Four years, people. Wow. So anybody who called her a gold digger, like she really (laughs) could have had that four years sooner if that was what she wanted, that she wanted to make a name for herself. Imagine someone pursuing you actively for over four years. (sighs) I would be After you reject them more than one time. How amazing. (laughs) I I will never have that. Not um, anyone I would be interested in anyway, no. but yeah. Um, so on June 27th, 1994, the two were married in Houston. Uh, and of course, this sparked a ton of speculation that she married him for his money. And I know it's controversial. I truly believe that they had a special connection. Something about this relationship was fulfilling to both parties. Uh, I think that it went way beyond the financial aspect. Again, if she was a gold digger, she would have married him a lot sooner. Um, and she wouldn't have tried to become successful on her own. That was always what she wanted to be was, you know, she wanted to fulfill her own dreams and become something. Uh, and she did. So that's when she felt like she could finally say yes to him. Mm-hmm. So the ceremony was adorable. They even released two doves as a symbol of their relationship. Oh, cute. She was 26 and he was 89 on two, the day. Two doves with yeah. your Venus and Libra? <gasps> Like Ooh, symbolism. Okay. <laughs> Major symbolism. Okay. <laughs> uh, so she was 26, he was 89 on the day of their wedding, and Anna maintained that she loved him. Age did not matter to her, and I, I believe her. I honestly believe her. Uh, she has always been open to all types of love. So again, this like wasn't a concern to her. Like yeah. she fell in love with somebody's soul. I truly believe that about her. And you know, people who don't know her full history might be quick to make other judgments, mm-hmm. but she really did not care what people thought. And then sadly, sad news, on August 4th, 1995, just a few months after they got married, um, J. Howard Marshall died in the hospital in Houston at the age of 90. And Anna was completely devastated. There was a huge legal battle over his fortune after this, and we're going to talk more about that later, but it's a whole fucking mess that goes on until after she passes away, even. Like, it goes on way beyond her own life. Um, So now we'll talk quickly about her career. So she made her movie debut in a comedic film called The Hudsucker Proxy as the character (laughs) Zaza who was a flirtatious celebrity fashion model appearing in a barbershop scene with the leading male. Anna said she got to sound like, quote, a cat in heat, and she <laughs> loved it. Uh, the people loved her. They started making, she started making rounds on all the popular night shows, you know, like late night shows. Uh, she landed a larger role, uh, and this was as Tanya Peters in 
Naked Gun 33 and a third. I've never watched this, but I've always wanted to. Uh, but she she did that role the same year. And her character was usually a ditzy blonde in all of her films. So she was pretty much typecast. They mm-hmm. made her physical assets the primary focus, of mm-hmm. course, of every scene. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you kind of have to, right? Mm-hmm. Um but she wasn't happy with this. She really wanted people to take her seriously, and she appeared in a movie called To the Limit in 1995, and that was her first starring role. She also made a cameo appearance as herself in uh, the 1995 pilot episode of a show called The Naked Truth. Next, she went back to film. She got a leading role in Skyscraper in 1996, but the film was low-budget, direct-to-video. It didn't really do her career any favors, And this was the end of her movie career. So she continued to take on small roles. In 1998, she appeared on the variety series called Sin City Spectacular. That same year, uh, she appeared in a tell-all self-promoting film called Anna Nicole Smith Exposed, which was based on several photo sessions during her Playboy career. So like already doing Mm -hmm. some Playboy Mm -hmm. exposés. She appeared as Donna, the friend of Veronica Chase, played by Kirstie Alley, who, R.I.P. Kirstie (laughs) Alley, I I was devastated to hear of her passing. Oh. Really recently, in the last couple of months, I was a huge fan of Kirstie Alley, absolutely adore her, Um, and I remember watching the show Veronica's Closet, so that's where Anna, you know, appeared as Donna. Oh, I didn't know. Veronica's Closet was such a great show, like, I remember watching, I was probably too young to be watching it, but I loved it, and I loved Kirstie Alley, so I would have watched anything with her in it. She, so Anna also guest starred in a 1999 episode of the series Allie McBeal, which again, I love that show, I was too young to be watching it, but it was one of my favorite shows when I was in maybe seventh grade, like, it was seriously, it was a very adult show, and I absolutely loved it. <laughs> so, good stuff. Um, well, you were you were an old child. I was. I was you, a very mature. You grew up quickly. I did. I was a mature kid at twelve, but like it, the subject matter was yeah. very uh, adult. I still, I really loved that show. <laughs> so Anna wasn't a hugely successful actress, but the public absolutely loved her. She was featured in all the tabloids, gossip columns, and it, those were really big at the time. This was before social oh, yeah. media, like I, like every magazine. Mm-hmm. This I remember. It was buying, like half gossip bullshit. Yes. Yeah. I bought every celebrity magazine <laughs> ever. Like, oh, I hated it. Oh, I had boxes of them. And then I used them to make collages as well. That was another pastime of mine. I still have collages that I made as a teenager that have Anna Nicole Smith all over them. Like, I have one in my in my pole room at home wow. that has, like, a ton. I also have a huge picture of her in my pole room. Like, I love Anna. I just wanted the magazines for the outfits, and then there's all this gossip drama. Oh, I loved the gossip drama. I was all about it. Me and my friends, like, I, I had to know all the details. So, Anna was eventually, like I said, given her own reality show on E! Entertainment, which, best channel ever. I absolutely loved that channel. The Anna Nicole Show, 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 goodness, too many words. The Anna Nicole Show premiered in August of 2002. It had the highest cable rating for a reality show at the time. And the series followed her through her daily activities. So, um, also, this had some highs and lows. The show was sometimes kind of hard to watch because Anna seemed disoriented or confused, but the audience continued to tune in 
to see what she might do or say next. And like the theme song is running through my head right now. Um, it it is you, we got to listen to the theme song later. It's so great. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was kind of tough to watch sometimes. And then uh, Anna was allegedly addicted to prescription medications, which um. breaks my heart. So like you watched it. You know, I wonder if that has to do with her Chiron and Pisces. Yeah. The addiction. Potentially. And we've also seen addiction mm-hmm. issues with Moon South Node yeah, stuff. Yeah, for sure. As well, because I know Amy Winehouse had mm-hmm. that same thing. Mm-hmm. I struggled with addiction issues in my life with having that same mm-hmm. thing. So, like... You also have a lot of Pisces. Yeah, I do. Yeah. But yeah. she has um, a lot in her 12th house, too. The uh, Pluto and Uranus and Ceres in her 12th house, which is kind of like... In some forms, like the house of Pisces, um, with the most Pisces type energy to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that Uranus kind of like popped into my head as soon as you said, like, people tune out, would tune in to see if she was she going to do. What's she going to do? What's she going to say? Unpredictable. Who she knows? was blunt, and like, you just never knew what was going to happen um, with her. Yeah. And she actually did have mental health diagnosis, too. Okay. So that would um, be over in this area, too. Yeah, uh, she was diagnosed by a psychiatrist at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles with borderline personality disorder, which is one of many personality disorders. It's uh, characterized by erratic, emotional, and dramatic presentations, Mm -hmm. uh, often difficulty forming relationships with other people. Uh, It makes them unstable. It makes them kind of intense. But specifically, borderline personality disorder includes distorted self-image, impulsiveness, extreme emotions, and... And um, emotional regulation is really difficult mm-hmm. with this disorder. There's a lot of fear of abandonment yeah. as well. It can lead to self-harming behaviors in some cases. It's challenging to live with it, and I do see a lot of those characteristics. Yeah. Especially... I see how it could fit her chart, too. Yeah, I feel like her, her TV show really seemed to highlight this. It was kind of like a lot of times it was like a car crash and like you couldn't look away and it was just like mm-hmm. watching somebody. That's perfect for reality TV. Fall in their apart. Eyes, the producer's eyes. Especially in the early 2000s uh-huh. when. Um, Let's see these girls um, go crazy. Yeah. Yeah. People were very <laughs> exploited back then, like women yes. in particular for mental health. Uh-huh. Um, and then here's another figure. You're talking earlier about like strong, dominant male figures that mm-hmm. were kind of like had a controlling aspect. We're about to talk about one. Oof. When you said that, I knew exactly who it was going to be. Um, and we get to him about this Aside time. Aside from the father. Uh, yeah, because her yeah. father's never. Mm-hmm. In her life, wasn't it like stepped out, or she had? You said there was some sort of abuse. Yeah, it was mostly like just adult males in her life. There's no one particularly. Oh, named. it doesn't have to necessarily be a father. Yeah, but, but it's like that type of. But this one was very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Yeah, you start seeing him on her reality show, but mm-hmm. it's her attorney, Howard K. Stern. So not Howard oh. Stern, the late night guy, but Howard K. Stern, the Howard attorney, Stern. different person. <laughs> um, and then. The show went off air in 2004. It was canceled in June of 2003, but Anna remained extremely popular with the public. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we'll talk more about uh, Stern as we go to, but do you yeah. have anything you want to kind of talk about? I just feel really um, drawn to that Uranus in the 12th house in Virgo, opposing, like directly opposing her Chiron retrograde in Pisces. Um, 12th and 6th houses, it's, you know, again, this, like, flipping thing Mm -hmm. with, like, really intense placements. Um, I feel like 
the unpredictability of um, her mental space plus like the, all the trauma and uh, like this kind of um, addiction issue like I think all of it ties in to those placements um, Pluto being there adds a lot of intensity as well it's kind of like if it's gonna be a harsh uh, reaction to anything with Pluto um, Pluto doesn't play middle ground any anywhere it's extremes mm -hmm. that's very um, kind of borderline and the way that her um, moon is it has a lot of squares on it too it's just uh, every placement I look at like I could definitely see how it ties into that diagnosis for her chart I'm not saying if you have any of these placements that you have whatever but um, I think like it does kind of fit um, and that's been something I've been really interested in over the years with astrology is kind of like how certain placements tie together with how we end up like diagnosing it in the mental health space yeah um like with my chart you can definitely see the anxiety like it's very obvious that I'm yeah. gonna be diagnosed with anxiety but it's not um you know it's not like a specific specific picture for from one person to the next it's the whole chart really mm -hmm. and how it plays yeah. together yes it yeah. is so I, th I just think that's really fascinating for me. If you are in Northwest Arkansas and looking for affordably priced photography and videography services, then you should definitely reach out to Nice NWA. Yes, you should. With photo sessions starting at $100, now is a great time to update your company's headshots, get graduation photos, new family pictures, and more. Looking for video work instead? Yes, videos start at just $300 and are a great way to boost your marketing engagement online with current customers and potential new customers. It's also a great way to create highlight reels of your next event or just to tell your story in an exciting and creative way. NICE is not just locally owned and operated, but is also a certified minority and veteran-owned business that started right here in Northwest Arkansas in 2017. So go check them out on Facebook or on Instagram at NiceNWA or by visiting their website at NiceNWA.com. The next section is uh, some medical things going on with Anna. So um, her figure and her look overall contributed to her fame quite heavily, which we have, <laughs> which we have talked about quite a bit. Um, but she did start to develop a lot of back problems and pain from carrying her very large implants. Like, she had a small frame, so this was causing a lot of stress. Yeah. She, she also suffered from migraine headaches, so these, uh, these things ended up being her introduction to pain medication. Oh, so this is where we talked about, you know, prescriptions being an issue. Mm -hmm. This is how, and this is how it happens with most people who develop an addiction to uh, pain medication is they start with, you know, this physical pain, they go to the doctor, they get prescribed something and those, those prescriptions are highly addictive. So she accidentally overdosed on her prescribed medication and she ended up in the hospital and per Anna, she took Vicodin and Xanax and had to have these for her migraines, her pain, and her insomnia. So she had several things that she was being medicated for, and she publicly insisted that she was not on drugs. It's just the misconception of pharmaceuticals, like that if it comes from a doctor, it must be safe. We know better than that now. It was a huge deal around this time, yeah. too. Um, pharmaceuticals were definitely on the rise in the early to mid-2000s. And, and um, issues with prescriptions for pain medication. Yes. Um, and people not understanding 
exactly how that was going to affect their patients. Right. And also being on Vicodin, Xanax, and like a pain, like, like it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot to be on one person, uh, especially she's so small. Like she was, she was, she was a tall girl, but she was, had a very small frame and, um, I could only imagine how that affected her. It's an intense mixture. And I mean, I saw how it affected her on her show. Like mm-hmm. I, I saw it. Uh, yeah. So she was never like doing cocaine and she was mm-hmm. never like doing mm-hmm. hard drugs. So in her mind, she didn't have a drug problem. These were from the doctor. Mm-hmm. So it's again, that, that misconception that mm-hmm. if it comes from the doctor, it's totally safe and it's not a drug, but we, yeah. we certainly know better now. So this next section is kind of more uh, drama with legalities and cash money. So we're going to kind of switch back to her marriage to J. Howard Marshall II for a minute. So, and I do not go as in-depth with the legal stuff on this because it's seriously a shit show. Like, it is such a mess. I would have spent 40 minutes talking about just the legal battle. Like, it's so much. So I kind of do a rough overview of how this is going. So... Um, even though Anna was not named in his will, she claimed that in return for marriage, she had verbally he had verbally promised her half of his estate. So that included 16% of his company. <laughs> uh, that included 16% uh, interest in Coach Industries, which was his oil company. And that was worth $1.6 billion at the time. So that is a ton of money. But her stepson... Uh, Pierce Marshall disputed the claim. He fought hard to make sure Anna didn't receive a dime. And interestingly, Anna temporarily joined forces with his other son, J. Howard Marshall III. This man was disowned after attempting to take control of the company at one point. So his father like completely disowned him. Um, and Howard III also claimed that his father had verbally promised him a portion of the estate. So... Um, they had this in common, and just like Anna, he felt like he was left out of his father's will. So, in September of 2000, Anna was awarded her share of the company. This was around $450 million, but this victory was short-lived because in July of 2001, less than a year later, a Houston judge ruled that she was entitled to nothing. And at this point, she had to file bankruptcy. The whole thing was huge back and forth mess and it continued long after she passed away and we're going to come back to this once again when we get into her death because the legal battles just continue so kind of switching back now to the section i've entitled trim spa baby which has been my motto for years which is really how about it this is how mary and i built our friendship she followed me on social media because she loves the podcast and I had posted something and I just wrote Trim Spa Baby at the and top. She, got it. she messaged me and she was like, No way. I say this all the time. Nobody ever gets it. Nobody ever knows where it came from. And we just talked about how much we love Anna and like that was the bond. So it's very special. On Anna's reality show, it was clear that she had gained a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. And this made her a target for really mean comments in the media. Like, body shaming was huge back then. I feel like it's gotten it was, better. It was. It, it still exists. But at this point in time, a celebrity that had any cellulite, I mean, you were on the cover of a magazine with a close-up shot of your leg. Like, even thin celebrities. Like, nobody was off limits. Any tiny flaw. Yeah. Was, like, oh, magnified. Any imperfection, yeah, was going to be. everyone. And exploited. Yes. So, poor Anna. She was the butt of every joke for the way she looked. It was really gross. 
um, but she got her model body back in a big way after publicly struggling with her weight on and off for years. And she struggled with it a lot on her reality mm-hmm. show. She was at her heaviest around that time. Mm-hmm. Um, she got an endorsement deal. Mm-hmm. So she became the spokesperson for a line of diet products in 2003. The Trim Spa commercials are completely epic. Like, you can still look them up on YouTube, and they are my favorite commercials. I remember being obsessed with them, and every time they came on, I was like, oh, my God. Like, it, she was just so fabulous, and I loved The commercials were really funny, too. <laughs> and she used her little playful voice. I have a T-shirt with this image on it, and it says Trim Spa Baby on it. Oh, my gosh. Um, I, love, I love Anna. I have multiple T-shirts with Anna on them, so there's that. Um, and I actually personally took a lot of Trim Spa myself as trim a late spa teenager. Diet pills. Yes, they were these huge red pills too. Like they were like horse pills. They were gigantic, and they had Anna all over the bottles and the boxes of the supplement. Um, I had a severe eating disorder when I was a teenager, and I loved every diet pill, but I especially <laughs> loved Trim Spa because of Anna. Uh, like, of course, I was all about it. Um, I had to find wow. someone over eighteen to buy them for me, but I always could. You didn't need a prescription. No, no, no. They were over the counter, and but but you you had to be eighteen to buy them, and so I would convince people to buy them for me and like let them keep the change. And I had older friends, and I would beg people to buy those diet pills for me. Um, So yeah, I remember having a box of them in the console of my car. These huge red horse pills. Like I'll never forget the way they looked. I'm looking at this before and after yeah. trim spa picture. Like, I see how that would have been compelling back then, for yes. sure. They definitely worked for Anna. She lost a significant amount of weight. She returned to modeling and acting. In 2006, she starred in the science fiction comedy Illegal Aliens. Her son, Daniel, also worked on the project with her, which is really cute. So she was back in the spotlight. She was really, like, enjoying it. And she stayed in the spotlight until she passed away. So, yeah. So high highs, low lows. We're going to talk about kind of both of that here. Joy and tragedy. So Anna's career had resurgence. Like I said, she was more popular than ever in the public eye. And really those Trim Spa commercials did it. Like, I'm going to make you watch them with me. Oh, Um, so this was Speed. I mean, I guess. <laughs> it was ephedrine. Oh, okay, great. Um, okay, yeah, this just was, look, I just was curious. This was back when it was legal to have that in yeah. diet pills. Yeah, 2006. Yeah. Okay. Hot times. All right, hot times. let's keep going, sorry. Um, <laughs> so yeah, she had some high highs and low lows in a really short span of time. She announced that she was pregnant during the summer of 2006, and she gave birth to a daughter on September 7th, 2006, in a hospital in, I'm not sure if I'll say this right, Nassau, Bahamas. Okay. So um, she named her daughter Danny Lynn mm-hmm. and was thrilled to be a mother again. She always wanted a little girl, too. So this was a really exciting time for her. It was a really beautiful time for her. But the happiness was short-lived. because saw his death date. While visiting her and his new baby sister in the hospital, her 20-year-old son, Daniel, died only three days later mm-hmm. from an apparent drug overdose right by her side. He was found unresponsive that morning. Later reports indicated that the interaction of methadone and two different types of antidepressants may have caused his death. Wow. 
Anna never truly recovered from the loss, which, like, can you imagine losing your mm-hmm. child is just horrific? And mm-hmm. right after giving birth to another mm-hmm. child, like, that, I can't imagine, like, yeah, I'm pregnant no. right now, and I can't <laughs> imagine, like, this surge and the, like, shift of emotions. Like, that is so mm-hmm. much to happen. Uh, it's awful. Like, it breaks my heart. I remember when I heard the news of this mm-hmm. and watching all the coverage of it, and I cried. I was mm-hmm. like, I, my heart just went out to her. Like, I can't, I cannot imagine, um... But, of course, after this, Anna found herself in the middle of the media circus. Tons of reports on her son's death appearing on entertainment news programs, like, almost daily. And, like, how difficult that must have been to listen to the world talking about it and hearing people's opinions about it and hearing people's speculations while you're just trying to grieve. And also a brand new mother to a tiny infant. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, my God. Um very very difficult not being allowed to privately grieve this is like really unfair really sad uh she also this is more drama poor anna found herself in the middle of a paternity suit regarding her newborn daughter so there's drama around the birth of her child and the death of her son it's just it's coming at her in all directions but her ex-boyfriend photographer larry burkhead claimed to be danny lynn's father but Anna argued that her attorney, Howard K. Stern, mm-hmm. was the child's father, and he was listed on the birth certificate. So with all this heartbreak and all the legal battles, Anna and her attorney, Howard K. Stern, still decided to have a small commitment ceremony. They decided to, like, mm-hmm. have a little wedding. For their small reception, they ate fried chicken, they drank champagne, and... Um, even though the event symbolized their love and devotion to one another, it was not legally binding. It was not a legal marriage. And a lot of people thought the timing of the ceremony was, like, kind of unusual. But a spokesperson for Anna said that they needed a little adrenaline boost because things have been so hectic and devastating. So, like, it kind of makes sense. They're trying to, like, lift their spirits after all of that and find some joy And then afterwards, photos of the ceremony were sold to People magazine for around a million dollars. So there's a lot happening here. Um, Do you want to talk about any of that before we go into her death, which is the next terrible thing? Probably look at Daniel a little bit. Maybe look at Daniel Lynn a little bit. It's just so much. It's so much, and it all happened, like, days apart. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just... That's what's so wild about this part of the story to me is, like, how... These issues just were so ah, back to back to back. Yeah. Um, so with all these charts, I don't have any times. So these are all, I set them all as noon charts. Um, who do you want to look at first? Uh, we do know Daniel died in the morning that day, but okay. I don't know what time. Okay. But um, We can at least lean morning. I say let's look at Danny Lynn first because she was born and then right. literally few days days. later yeah Uh, this was so confusing when i was entering i was like what is who is who is dying and someone's being born Uh and someone's dying Uh uh-huh it it's Um, it's as it's as complex as it appears on the the charts so for danny lynn um she was born 9706 and that puts her son and a ton of other things in virgo (laughs) um her sun is in Virgo, her Venus is in Virgo, her Mars, her Mercury, her Juno, Vesta, what? Lilith, South Node, and um, maybe her point of happiness, but um, I don't have a time. 
But anyway, there's a ton of stuff. Definitely a stellium in Virgo. Um, and we do see this as pretty interesting compared to Anna's chart with her Jupiter in Virgo. Um, having that to be do a lot with like expansion of the self and procreation and things like that. So her um, having like this kind of... Uh, grandness come in through her daughter like she was mm -hmm. she's really wanting a daughter like it, it seems to fit pretty well with that Jupiter placement um let's see there's it's still like an intense time though because her Pluto is also in Virgo um there's some other stuff let's see the, so much in Virgo that's crazy I know it's kind of like ugh, I can't it's hard to look anywhere else <laughs> um, Danny Lynn, uh, her moon is in Pisces, conjunct Uranus. So it's um, kind of this opposite placement of her mom, uh, which is a little bit fascinating. Um, especially with how her mom has this like Uranus, Chiron, Virgo, Pisces thing going. Um, and then it's all kind of like this new, you know how like sometimes like generational spiritual things come through like yeah. I feel like this is very that like it's her daughter is going to be carrying on a lot of this in her life in a different type of way but... we're totally going to talk about that later <laughs> we'll talk a little bit more about There's Danny Lynn now so much connection between Danny Lynn and her mom mm -hmm. as, especially with this part of her life um and funny enough her Jupiter's in Scorpio where uh Anna has a, a bunch of you know the really important placements in Scorpio uh she's gonna be benefiting from uh, her mom's Scorpio placements. Um, her North Node is then also in Pisces. Um, this kind of seems like she's escaping some of this generational trauma in her own way, maybe, um, or aspiring to. Her Neptune and Chiron and uh, Ceres are in Aquarius, all retrograde. Um, but yeah, like the majority of her chart guys, like is really this, uh, Pisces Virgo thing. Yeah. She does have Pluto in, um, Pluto and Pholus in Sagittarius, her mom's sun sign. Uh, that's, you know, like, again, like this flipping of like, one of them has it in this placement in one sign and then they flip <laughs> like, uh, her mom's sun sign in Sag and her mom's Pluto in Virgo, and then she has opposite. Wow. Where she, her sun sign is in Virgo, and her mom's Pluto isn't, or her Pluto isn't, oh my god, I can't talk about this anymore. For right. No, it's, I get what you're saying, um, but it's, it's complicated, but it's flipped. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's very, like, so much ties and connection uh, to her mom. Um, she has Saturday in Leo. Um, this might be, she might not be quite as expressive as her mom in some ways I think maybe not as much of one she might not want to put on a show as much as her mom maybe but I don't know there was also some conflict with that um but I imagine this would be a very conflicting um place to be in mm -hmm. like situation to be in so I I can't imagine how she feels you know yeah um but having the opposite placement with her moon on the north node too because oh, her wow, mom yeah. has the moon on the south note. Like, she's just so much a reflection of her mom in this way, this weird way. Um, 
undeniably connected. We will talk about some of the really cool connections and crossover. I have some details about that, and I'm excited to elaborate with you kind of pointing those things out on the chart. All right, then Daniel. Yeah. So Daniel's birth um, has him as January 22nd, 1986 uh, in Texas. There's the sun in Aquarius, Jupiter in Aquarius, Venus in Aquarius, another stellium baby. Wow. Um, We have a lot in, a lot, let's see, also in Capricorn, Neptune, Mercury, and Vesta in Capricorn, a lot in Sag, uh, Saturn, Juno, and Uranus in Sag. I think these placements speak to, like, how much structure yet on instability he got through his mom. Like, um, there's this, like... Like, she is my, my, uh, the structure of my world, but also it's unpredictable. Yeah. Um, and, but there's a commit level of commitment there too, which is interesting with Juno. Like They were always so close. Like they had such a close bond and close relationship and it was so apparent, especially on her reality show, her love for her son always really, um, took center stage really like her whole life so <sighs> they were so like closely bonded um him having venus on the sun and i think danny lynn having venus on the sun mm-hmm. um very like loved children you know like very like beloved um characters in life like i think that their being is just so much has so much love in them with uh Venus also kind of like this idea of like how much they are connected with their own hearts and like how much they're connected with like what they want in life where I think for it's so different from their mom where if it was so hard for her with mm-hmm. what with the, her heart space and things that she wanted yeah um, I feel like she probably tried to compensate for that with her kids and it shows on their charts does that make sense yeah absolutely um let's see uh, his moon is in Gemini on Pallas, um, and Chiron is in the same sign as his moon. That's a little bit about his birth chart. He does have Ceres retrograde in Virgo. Um, let's see, South Node in Scorpio, North Node in Taurus. You can see as his life went on, it got like more um, lux. <laughs> more luxurious i feel like Mm -hmm. um but the his past would have been more intense with pluto on the south node in scorpio um, which i think makes sense for him um also mars in scorpio i kind of wonder if he could have been struggling with some kind of like anger uh, possibly um there's a square from mars over to jupiter over to another square over to lilith (laughs) but um yeah you never know um, his death. This date. is what I'm so interested in seeing. Um, Again, a ton in Virgo, right, because yeah, it's the same time. Yep. His yep. death chart's so similar to his sister's birth chart. Ugh. You know, it's, that like that just I know breaks my heart. And it's almost like she's way. living on from his death in Ugh. a way. Like <laughs> the energy is so similar, but the moon has moved forward into Aries by the time. He dies. 
Um, since he was definitely born in the morning, it was definitely in Aries. Mm-hmm. Um, before noon, anytime before noon, the moon is still in Aries that day. Yeah. Um, he, uh, let's see. What else could have moved here? Mars went into Libra. Um, Mars had moved out of Virgo into Libra, which when you look at Anna Nicole's chart, um, that shows Mars when her daughter was born being right on top of her Uranus placement. Um, But then when her son died, being like right off of it into the next sign. So if anything, it some uh, like really harmonious energy left. It's not mm-hmm. like any big negative energy came in. It's just and if you think about it, she was probably feeling so blissful. Like she had just had this beautiful yeah. baby girl. Mm-hmm. She's got her son in the room mm-hmm. with her. She's got her family together. She's like experiencing yeah. all this joy, mm-hmm. and then she wakes up that next morning to realize that mm-hmm. it's he's gone. Yeah, and like. I can't imagine how hard that must have been for her. I know. That's the last thing you're thinking about when you have a new baby and your uh-huh. other son, your son is only 20. Like, he's not, yeah. you know, you're not expecting anything like that. To go from, like, such a level of joy to a level of devastation mm-hmm. so fast. I mean, she got to have that joy for three days before losing her son. It, it's so crazy. Let's see, the moon was on her Chiron when her daughter was born, but the moon, or the moon was on her Chiron when the daughter was born, but then the moon had moved over to her north node when he died, when her son died. So again, like, there's just a lot of um, interesting, there's a few interesting shifts. It was five months to the day after Danny Lynn was born. Anna was found unresponsive on February 8th, 2007 at the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Hollywood, Florida. So her bodyguard's wife was an emergency registered nurse and performed CPR on Anna for 15 minutes after she was discovered in an attempt to revive her. At 1.38 p.m. that day, Anna's bodyguard, who was also a trained paramedic, um, called the hotel's front desk to report the incident. And the hotel security guard was actually the one who called 911. Anna's bodyguard uh, administered CPR until paramedics got there. Um, At 2.10 p.m., she was rushed to the hospital, and she was pronounced dead on arrival at 2.49 p.m. And toxicology reports revealed that Anna died of combined drug intoxication. That's, like, the legit how it was listed. Oh, wow. Uh Combined drug intoxication with sleeping medication in her system as the major component. Mm -hmm. No illegal drugs were found in her system. The official report says that her death was not considered to be homicide, suicide, or natural causes. Wow. So it's really, you know, the drugs, um, the prescription drugs. Her tragic death was ultimately ruled an accidental drug overdose of sleeping medication combined with other prescription drugs in her system, Klonopin, Ativan, Cerax, and Valium. I don't know if I said Cerax correctly. Well, I don't know. <laughs> the others I'm confident about, not so much that one, so don't come for me if I said it wrong. I'm sorry. Um, she had also taken Benadryl and Topamax, which blocked sodium channels in the body and intensified the sedative effects of the other drugs in her system. So after her son, Daniel, passed away, there were tons of rumors that she had been abusing methadone, which was found in his system. 
but an autopsy showed that it was only found in her bile. That means it was ingested two to three days before her death. It did not contribute. So we don't really know. We can't. Nobody can confirm that, like through toxicology. Right. And the autopsy also showed abscesses on her, like on her rear, on her buttocks, from B twelve injections, mm-hmm. as well as human growth hormone, um, and that they did contribute to her passing. Oh, wow. And for those of you who don't know, these supplements are known to help with weight loss. Uh-huh. So she was doing a lot of extreme things to um, maintain her weight. So getting those types of injections. And most of the drugs found in Anna's system were prescribed to mm-hmm. not her, but her attorney slash boyfriend, Howard K. Cern. And that's like a major issue. Yeah. So again, like there was a lot of suspicion about Marilyn Rose's death and intoxication. And there's a lot the same type of controversy around uh, Anna's death. Yeah. So her funeral took place on March 2nd, 2007 in the Bahamas. Um, a black granite monument was installed at her grave in February 2009. Like, I totally cried. I was very sad. She was only 39 years old. I'll never forget finding out that Anna had passed away. I'm just, like, not believing it. Because knowing that she'd just lost Daniel, knowing she'd just mm-hmm. had Danny Lennon, like, oh, my gosh, just then, then the world lost her. It was, it was crazy. Um, and then there was an aftermath. The legal nightmare continued. Uh, it, this is so crazy, but um, everything from the battles over her late husband's fortune to the paternity of her daughter, Danny Lynn, like, was still going on. It was a total mess. Um, and again, I'm not going to go too deep into this because we would be here all day talking about just the legal stuff. So I'm going to just kind of give an overview synopsis here. So in April 2007, it was determined by DNA test results that Larry Burkhead, Anna's ex-boyfriend, the photographer, was Danny Lynn's biological father. And he has done a great job raising her. So in um, the 2020 documentary, they show a lot of Larry and Danny Lynn going around Anna's hometown, going to places she used to go, going to the place she worked, eating at the chicken restaurant. Like he really supports that connection. Absolutely. Um, You can feel his admiration for Anna um, and his love for his daughter, and she looks just like her. It's so, like, she's so beautiful. Um, Today she's 16 years old, looks just like her mother, and when she was only six, she ended up modeling in a guest kids campaign. Like, so how wow. full circle, how cool is that, you know? I did see that. I was wondering who that was. I was like, yeah. it looks like her, but not. It's her little girl. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, and then in 2008, she was declared the sole heir to her mother's estate at an estimated $700,000. In 2012, her Anna's attorney, Howard K. Stern, faced legal consequences for his alleged role in supplying Anna's prescription drug habit. Mm-hmm. These charges were later vacated. The court believed that he may have knowingly participated in conduct designated to or designed to avoid detection and scrutiny. So Mm -hmm. this is like kind of just he's basically being sketchy um, in regard to the prescription drugs. But um, that's all that happened is they were like, he's kind of shady. Okay, (laughs) he was legally (laughs) declared shady. And the battle for Anna's late husband's fortune went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, which is wild. Um, It was eventually ruled that Anna was not entitled to a dime of the $44 million inheritance in 2014. And this money would have gone directly to Danny Lynn. 
Uh, but Larry, her dad, is not bothered by this. Honestly, he he's just, like, glad that it's over. Yeah. Um, and that the hearings have ended. So that's, like, all I have on the story. Uh, we're going to share tons of pictures. I know you still have thoughts on Anna's death chart. So we're going to spend mm-hmm. the rest of the time looking at that. Yeah, definitely. I feel like... This is, <laughs> I pulled this up and I was like, okay, I'm going to wait to look at this till we have a second. Uh-huh. So the, that timeline, it puts the moon in Scorpio. Wow. So she would have just had a lunar return. Um, it would be right after her lunar return. I don't know if the lunar return time would be more about like the timing she took some of these pills or like if you know like if mm-hmm. some of that could have been earlier in the day where like if she would have still been under her lunar return yeah um but uh had moved into scorpio still in her first house um juno was making a return she had her juno return <laughs> at this time let's see she had a mars return this is always how it goes. I was going to say, we see <laughs> returns every single time. With these intense deaths. With these intense death charts. It's so fascinating, mm-hmm. like, the, the pattern of this. Mm-hmm. Astrology is so fascinating when yeah. you look at this. Um, let's see. I'm seeing a lot of, like, um, like, two signs off shifts, too. Like, um, like some, maybe, maybe some quintiles coming in from, so they're not returns, but like this sign quintile itself in another spot, like the sun, um, I see Folis doing that. I see, uh, just a series of them. Let me, uh, let's see. A big one, a big thing I'm looking at right now is the North Node had moved into Pisces um, with Mercury and Venus and Uranus and Ceres all on top of each other. Um, this would have been in her fifth house, um, but also in the sign that she has her Chiron, uh, where we see, we saw like a lot of this shift, this issue with the prescriptions and the addictions and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, so Uranus was um, opposing itself from her natal uh, Uranus in Virgo placement. Again, on this axis of Pisces-Virgo issues. Um, I think that that speaks a lot to the way that she died, um, having it be involving these drugs. But it wasn't, It's more. it looks more like we have Mercury here. We have Ceres here. Like, it looks more like it was something to, that was planned to care for her rather than, like, and there was an unpredictable, but, like, it, could, it really could have been maybe predicted, like, you know, if somebody had been um, doing better at their jobs, maybe, or, like, if someone had been watching more closely or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, not, not unpreventable, but, like, there was, like, some thought into it, like, with Mercury there. I just... But such an extreme outcome yeah. was not planned. Like, right. Um, I just see a lot of ties there on the Virgos Pisces um, side of things. We've got I'm looking for the eighth house of her death. 
in her well with her natal eighth house i'm looking at aspects off of it um there is a square to the transit chiron and palace which again i think is about like the the trauma and like planning being not being strategic having a fault with that mm -hmm. um we see a trine up to um over to her natal palace which is interesting we're going to carry on this palace theme apparently um and palace is in virgo for her on top of pluto so again palace more virgo spicy stuff um there is uh there is a pile of sextiles over to all the things in pisces that i mentioned as well um i think that there's just a lot of tie there uh there's a quincunx over to looks like her the transit jupiter which was going over her sun along with pholus at the time um i feel like this kind of thing kind of puts her in like this stuck position like with her journey her life journey mm -hmm. a little bit enough for you know this to kind of happen um where was lilith in her 12th house oh wow yeah so this feels like mental health related yeah it's all just so crazy how you know the her children like Mm -hmm. One coming into the world, one leaving the world, and then five months later, mm -hmm. she leaves. Her. Like it's just the the timeline of this is so yeah fascinating, and it's tragic when you see. <sighs> and for those of you who are interested in eclipses, wherever the nodes are at the time are where the eclipses are happening those years. Oh yeah. So it doesn't look like you know she died. She didn't die on an eclipse, but um, the nodes. This would have been between like the six months of like one eclipse to the next, right? And, and she she eclipses. died five months after. Yeah, they just shake everything up. Um, because when we look at Danny Lynn, it looks like uh, Danny Lynn was born near an eclipse, um, and then. Which also I'm making sure I'm looking at this correctly okay. because it's a lot. Yeah, so Daniel Lamb was born near an eclipse and then... Which means Daniel right died near an eclipse. Near, yeah. Yep. And then around when the next one was coming up, when another one was coming up in the same signs is when she died. So like so, something with these on her chart was just so extreme. Um, I think because she had so much of that issues on that axis, maybe, but... Yeah. Um, you can definitely see how extreme it is on her chart, like looking at it. Which all these charts are available on Patreon along with my notes mm -hmm. and the live unedited version of the podcast. That's, and it's always mm -hmm. there early. They'll, they'll have it immediately and we'll have to wait. So mm -hmm. if you're interested in seeing any of this, uh, get on our Patreon. Oh, um, Pluto was in the transit eighth house around the time she was born or not born died <laughs> i know we're talking about birth and death and you mm -hmm. have yeah you had those overlaid now you've got uh, the okay yeah it would have been it would have either been pluto uh mars or the transit or her natal mars wow um, 
transit Chiron. I feel like there's a lot of these repeating energies going on, and I feel like I'm talking in circles. But okay. Yeah. This is uh, final thoughts on any um, anything that we've discussed today. Like this was all a new story really for you and mm-hmm. first time seeing any of these charts really complicated and sad story but yeah I'm I'm happy to know it now yeah um I think that like just seeing remembering old pictures of her like in my memory yeah like is a lot different than knowing like oh this is actually what's happening yeah, let's it's all crazy. please let's all please remember those uh, beautiful iconic photos of Anna, and our hearts go out to Danny Lynn and uh, all of her loss that she's experienced in life. She seems like a lovely young lady, and I hope she does great things in the world. I'm sure she will. Uh, so yeah, we we send nothing but love to to young Danny Lynn. Um, I, I can't imagine hearing all these stories and being so little that she didn't remember any of it. Like, she mm-hmm. never knew her brother or her mother. And to, like, only know about them what has been put out in the world. Mm-hmm. So, I like, that must be so challenging. But I think that Larry's doing a great job mm-hmm. raising her from what I can tell. So, yeah, best wishes to the family And thank you guys so much for joining us for this episode. Thank you so, so much. Find both of us on social media. Mm -hmm. We'll put those in the show notes in the description. So if you want to follow us, like us, follow the podcast page, like, subscribe, Mm -hmm. give us a rating or review. Reviews help so much, especially since, you know, we haven't been able to put out regular episodes the way we want. Like, uh, definitely if it's your first time watching us, please leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Um, did you like hearing a story like this that wasn't super crime based? That was a little bit more um, kind of to the title. It's like a dark alignment. Yeah. Uh, like I think this was just a fascinating story. We are always taking story requests. If there is um, somebody that you really want us to cover that we have not covered yet on the podcast, we do have several planned for the year already. We've looked into kind of some of the heavy hitters and some of the interesting stories. We really want to do a paranormal story so that is on our on our list too to kind of enter that realm we have lots of dreams and ideas we have so many dreams and ideas we're always open and like i said (laughs) we do have patreon so if you don't want to wait when we do put out episodes and any bonus content we do is on patreon all the charts all the backlog and we've done some really fun stuff on there so um hop on there you can find it all all the links that you could ever want at uh, darklimatpodcast.com And with that said, I think that we are ready to bid you adieu. So take care of yourselves and love yourselves. And remember, first and foremost, chart all the bitches in your life. And we will see you next time. Bye.